Okay, well, welcome to our first episode of the Amber Data Podcast. I'm Izzy Henderson, and I'm joined by Greg Magadini, who is the CEO and the co-founder of Genesis Volatility, otherwise known as GVOL, which um, was just acquired by Amber Data in October of 2022. And it's now Amber Data Derivatives, or AD Derivatives, and Greg is now our wonderful Director of Derivatives. So, Greg, we're so excited to have you on. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Izzy. It's great to uh, do this podcast. I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, just first things first, could you just tell everyone a little bit about Amber Data Derivatives, you know, what you've built? And then I'd also love for you to kind of cover how you got into options trading and, and your journey to creating uh, GVOL on your platform. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I'll start off with the product. Um, so my co-founder and I, Pat Doyle, started building Genesis Volatility, now AD Derivatives, back in January of 2020. So the reason we sort of came to that inspiration is that the crypto options market was pretty nascent. No one actually really knew it existed yet. It was still really early days. Yeah. Um, and so I had built a bunch of tools myself in Excel VBA. Those are sort of the limitations of my coding skills at the time. Um, and so Pat Doyle, he's a data analyst uh, in healthcare, or he was, so to speak. And so we decided to team up together hire some developers uh, from an old company we used to uh, work at and basically build out 80 derivatives to essentially provide these tools that we could find in traditional options markets that weren't built in the crypto options market yet. So that was the original sort of birth of it. We created a GUI. We later launched an API solution, like an enterprise API. And a lot of sort of our go-to-market strategy from there had been uh, content, a YouTube channel, doing podcasts, and really try to bring like a, a voice and a presence to the crypto options market and try to build this space uh, by by adding content as well as data. That's awesome. Then, I keep going. Sorry. Thanks. And then um, on your other question, how I got into crypto, or sorry, how I got into options in the first place, that uh, that goes way back. It's kind of a cool story. Uh, I'm really good friends with Will Warren, who's actually the co-founder of ZeroX. And back at the time, we were both learning to trade. This was in 2008, and the markets were melting down. And I was just trading stocks at the time, just kind of getting my feet wet. And there's this site called uh, Investopedia, and they have like this yeah. competition. <laughs> you know it. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so they have this leaderboard of like top traders, and there's people with like billions of dollars and so we're just kind of like digging through their positions and it was all options. Everyone's just doing option trades. So that kind of like sparked the light uh, for me to look into this product and these instruments. And that was kind of the journey of learning about options. I, when I was learning it with him, I was like amazed that you could sell covered calls and cash secure puts and essentially get paid for limit orders is how, it, how I thought about it at the time. And he was really excited by buying vol and buying a contract for cheap and reselling it for 5x multiple. And so together, we both kind of tackled uh, our education and cut our teeth in, in the options markets. Did you ever get on that leaderboard? <laughs> no, I've never gone <laughs> on that leaderboard. And, uh, gotcha. and then kind of with crypto itself, like when did you know it was a space you wanted to build in rather than just like invest in? Yeah, that's, that's also an interesting story. So Will Warren's wife, uh, we went to school together and so me and her decided to do a senior research paper back in 2012. We started on the gold standard and uh, we you know, got a bunch of books and it was like, super boring. So we, we shelved <laughs> that idea 
Um, and then I had sort of a, a friend of mine tell me about Bitcoin back then. So I brought the idea up to Linda and said, hey, how about instead of gold standard, we do Bitcoin. And so she liked that a lot. And together we did a bunch of research on Bitcoin. This was $7 Bitcoin at the time. Oh. And, um, we like went on the dark web, see what Bitcoin was being used for at the time, try to understand the mechanics of the blockchain and, and wrote a research report on it. And uh, at that time, I, I wasn't a, I was not a believer. I was kind of like, oh, this is. <laughs> you <laughs> so, were an OG though, truly. <laughs> really OG, yes, but I uh, didn't invest, um, not till a couple of years later, but right. it was really interesting to kind of understand that space and see what's going on there. Definitely. Awesome. And then kind of focusing in on the AD derivatives or just the product offerings in general, what are a few ways that, you know, you use it that really stand out to you as, as helpful for an options trader or that you can't really find anywhere else? Yeah, absolutely. So options are pretty interesting in the sense that because they're derivatives, there's sort of like one underlying asset and then there's a basket of potential options you can right. choose from. So there's sort of a option, um, choice overload, so to speak. And so you need a way to compare all these options and really figure out what's expensive and what's cheap in order to structure sort of positive expected value positions. Mm -hmm. So what some of the tools that we created are one, a way to analyze realized volatility. So to really understand how crypto moves and what is the true underlying volatility of the asset. And then from there, we've created tools to sort of slice and dice the vol surface to really pick out cheap and expensive expirations, as well as cheap and expensive strikes, and really see the, the kind of the three-dimensional relationship of option prices in terms of implied vol versus uh, realized vol. And one of the interesting components about volatility trading is that volatility isn't directly observable. You have to measure it. So there's pretty much no way to trade this stuff besides, you know, kind of yellowing it without <laughs> having data to calculate and, and measure how things are priced. Okay, cool. That's a really good explanation because I am not an options trader, so I don't know much about options. But um, what's one what of your favorite dashboards that you offer? Yeah, that's great. Great question as well. So a few that I use all the time, one is sort of the fixed maturity term structure yeah. over time. So you could see seven day, 30 day, 60 day, 90, 180 of at the money vol time series. So I can get an idea of how is the term structure being priced? Are we in contango? Are we flat? Are we in backwardation? You know, what kinks in the expirations are expensive versus cheap? So that's sort of the, the first spine of the surface that I like to look at. Mm -hmm. And then, um, on the other side, on the wings, I like to look at sort of the constant maturity skews. So right. I like to look at it in terms of risk reversal, which is pretty much call implied vol minus put implied vol for 25 delta is usually what I look at. And then I can see sort of the asymmetry or symmetry of the vol surface and really get a good idea of sort of that slice, slice of it. And then together, I can really kind of start the basis of an idea of what's expensive and what's cheap. I know I've seen that. I think that dashboard on a lot of the the coin desk and and you know Bloomberg things that have been kind of using you and and the data. So that's awesome. Um, what's your favorite trading book? So that's a that's a great one. So there's a few trading books that I really like. Um, one of the foundational trading books in my life has been 
uh, One Good Trade by Mike Gielafure. He's um, a partner over at S&P Capital in New York. And so I, that was a really inspirational book. Kind of funny story there, actually. I'll just jump into it real quick. So I read his book when I was in college. I was a, a junior at the time. And uh, I just thought it was an amazing book. I couldn't believe it. And at the end, in the back flap, he has his email. So I wrote him a spelling email. I was like, listen, man, I love your book. Like, I'd love to do an internship for you guys. Um, it's so inspirational. Like, let me know what you think. And he actually responded to me. And so he gave oh, me good tips on, um, on uh, networking here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Well, it gets better. So he gives me this interview. And I flop it. Like, I was just a nervous <laughs> mess. <laughs> it, was, it was amazing. So he has to call like three minutes in with, do you have anything else to add before I leave? And I was like, uh, no. <laughs> so that was that. I was just, I was pretty crushed for sure. Right. Uh, and then I just decided to like book a plane ticket and just fly into his office and like try it again. So <laughs> That's some so, guts. Wow. <laughs> I at his door and I'm like, hey, Bella, you just talked to me on the phone the other day and I, I just. I didn't feel like that went well. So I'd love to just chat again and see if I can take a second shot at this. Wow. So he gave me he gave me another interview. And long story short, I ended up doing an internship there uh, that summer. And it was it was great. That's awesome. I think that's good advice for really anyone. Just kind of go for it and, and see what happens. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, one more kind of just a take yeah. on that. So favorite books. There's another book that I, I love that I'm reading right now. It's the second a third time I'm reading it, but I keep reading it throughout my career. It's called Trading in the Zone. It's a lot more about the psychology of trading and cool. getting your mindset ready. And I think there's something so, so important there. So like, it's easy to get kind of bogged down in the technical skills of trading or any endeavor in life. But there's also sort of like a, a spiritual mindset. It's the best way to describe it, I guess, that you have to take uh, in order to sort of be successful. So let me give you a really good example. Yeah. Let's say that you think $100,000 is a lot of money and you couldn't fathom having $100,000. Well, sort of with that mindset going into any investment, say Bitcoin at 30 cents, mm -hmm. no matter where you get in on Bitcoin and no matter how high Bitcoin gets, if you buy Bitcoin at 30 cents and your expectation is if I'm at $100,000, I'm going to be rich and I'll be happy and I'm sell out. You'll, you'll hold Bitcoin till seven bucks and then you'll get out and you'll think, okay, I, I made my money and, and that's sort of my ceiling. Now, if you get sort of your mindset correct, um, you could say, you know, I think a billion dollars is a lot of money. Then you can really kind of hold this thing all the way through and, and hold Bitcoin for 30 cents to whatever, $70,000 that we saw last year. Right. So really kind of a, a mindset thing. And so- yeah, that's something I think is really important to kind of get clear. That's awesome. I was just thinking through my own thoughts when, you know, when I when I buy crypto or, or anything, and I was like, huh, maybe I do kind of have a little bit of a ceiling on on what I'm thinking. So that was great. Um, and then kind of going towards the current state of crypto. Um, I know you've been featured in a lot of articles from the Wall Street Journal to Bloomberg on um, just the market right now and in, in the wake of the FTX drama um, and, you know, millions of dollars being liquidated, frozen, missing. Um, just what are you seeing in the options market? Yeah. So, I mean, right now the options market's priced with a decent amount of panic. The asymmetry of the options market is really bid to the put side, meaning people are buying puts. And the, the extent of the panic is equal to where we were in June with the three arrows capital meltdown. Right. 
So people are hedging up pretty, pretty big. And what's interesting right now is that we're sort of seeing a, a relief rally at the same time in the equities market, but that doesn't seem to necessarily drag up the crypto market. So I think, I think right now we still have some pain to, to work out and we still have some shoes to drop. So, I mean, Genesis trading, uh, basically just oh, froze its withdrawals. Like this morning, I think. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, this morning, BlockFi, uh, rumored to file for bankruptcy yesterday. Mm -hmm. And I'm always waiting for this tether shoe to drop. So we'll see what happens there. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> so that could be our next one. I think so too. And then kind of between, you know, CFI and DeFi markets, how are they handling volatility differently? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great point as well. So when we look at sort of the options market, Mm -hmm. is such a class act. I love them. They're such a good exchange. Basically, what they did is they raised margin requirements for initial margin. Um, they're sort of winding down Solana. They're a little bit unsure what's going to happen there. Um, but it's still it's a, it's an exchange that's running really nicely mm -hmm. in the sort of spot markets or futures Delta One products. Uh, I'm hearing some other exchanges freezing withdrawals, so definitely not good. Right. And then in the DeFi space. So far, I haven't heard of any like massive blowups. Uh, one of the best DeFi protocols, and my co-founder is probably sick of hearing me say this, is uh, Lyra's DeFi right. option protocol. I love that protocol. So, I mean, they've been able to trade all the way through this. They have a Solana pool um, that that you're still able to trade during this whole meltdown. I think they've recently started winding it down, but there's uh, there's something to be said there about sort of this DeFi options market that's still online, still trading. So Definitely. I think it's pretty encouraging. Awesome. And do you have any kind of takeaways just from whether it's FTX, from CFI or DeFi, just options in general from kind of the past couple of weeks? Yeah. So, I mean, from, from sort of a bigger macro picture, mm -hmm. I do think this thing is not over. I kind okay. of think that crypto is leading the macro macro world. I still think there's probably some macro pain to be had. Yeah. Um, I'm a big follower of sort of the Japanese debt situation. I think that's sort of the most indebted Western country. Mm -hmm. So we'll see what happens sort of in the Western world. Then there's kind of geopolitical risk that's, you know, on everyone's radar that can pop off anytime that I know nothing about. Um, so, <laughs> so I think, I think there's a few shoes to drop there. And so in the options market, uh, in crypto, kind of what it's very tempting to sell vol right now, just because vol is mm -hmm. relatively high to the current past. I'm sort of of the opinion that now is not the right time to sell vol. I'd rather sell lower vol prices with more certainty than kind of sell it in front of a potential train. And mm -hmm. so my thinking is you got to let time pass. Um, you could probably figure out some decent strategies like some strategies where you're selling vol on like a cash secured basis or uh, a really wide break even window. But I think just kind of YOLO selling vol right now, I, I just don't think it's the time. Um, and, I mean, I might be wrong, but it's one of those things like it's, if you do this trade a thousand times, I think one of the, one of the times will get clipped. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't try to do that right now. Okay. That's awesome. Good to know. Um, and then where do you see options or really crypto options in five years? And how do you expect institutions are going to adopt to that or, or adapt? I don't know if your answers changed from, you know, two weeks or three months ago to now, but yeah. Yeah. So 
I think one of the big hiccups with the crypto options market is like a super legit US venue. So mm -hmm. BTO, which is a Bitcoin ETF that's built on top of CME futures. They basically roll in the front month and second month out constantly. And then they have options listed against them. That instrument has about 20 to 25% of Deribit's open interest. Deribit's business and exchange is sort of the most seamless industry standard. Right. Like if you have Deribit's in the US, that would be awesome. I wish Deribit could build in the US. That would be amazing. So until there's sort of a, a, a venue like that, um, I think I think that most of the volume drivers, which is the US markets, are still kind of being held back. We had Ledger X, which great team, love Ledger X a lot. They did everything by the book and by the rules. And so what happens there is that the regulations make it a little bit hard to provide a good options venue. So there's sort of limits on leverage. Yeah. They have to physically settle instead of settling to an index, which makes taking delivery on like a, a big notional position complicated. Um, and there's a limitation on the types of structures you can do. You can't really do short vol trades. So you're kind of limited. Um, and so I think once that gets cleared up, I think it's going to be one of the biggest drivers of the crypto market. When I look at traditional equities, if I look at the options, notional interest compared to the underlying market cap size, notional open interest per se, SPY is about 200% of the SPY market cap. Now, if I look at crypto options, we're looking at notional open interest at 6% of the Bitcoin market cap. So, you know, call it 30x potential. Uh, yeah. Awesome. That, I mean, that's kind of mind blowing when you think about it, but that's great. Um, and what's one piece of advice you would give someone who's looking to get into options trading or trading in general? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, so there's a couple of things. The first thing is that People, I think the hard lesson to learn is that making money trading isn't easy. And mm -hmm. so you might wonder, well, if it's so difficult, why should I learn how to make money trading? So the nice thing about making money trading is that it's super scalable. Once you find something that works for the most part to increase sort of the scalability, it, you just add money to it. It's not, it's like operating a business, scaling is very different. Right. It becomes kind of a, a wilder beast as you're trying to grow headcount and try to grow the operations. In trading, it's it's not the case at all. And then one of the other things that's really attractive to trading and something I've always liked is you, you sort of have like freedom. Trading is very entrepreneurial. Yeah. So the way that you want to think about it is that you want to figure out things that make sense to you and like a trading style that makes sense to you. Um, kind of going back to that example of mindset, you know, if you're buying volatility, the way that volatility payoffs work is that most of the time you buy this contract, it goes to zero, say nine out of 10 times. And then that 10th time it goes 20 X. Well, you got to be able to hold it for 20 X for sort of that overall portfolio to make sense. Now, short ball is a little bit different. Short ball, the max payout is defined. And so essentially all you have to do is limit your downside so you say, I'm going to lose 50% of whatever I want to do on this trade. And now I'm going to aim for 50% upside. So your boundaries are a lot more defined. For me, that seems a little bit easier to manage. Uh, but for some people, long ball is the only thing they like to do. So it's really one of those things like figure out your personality, what makes sense to you. 
and then think in probabilities. Like if think about every decision you make, just assume that you're going to do that for the rest of your career. So do I put a stop loss here? Well, what happens if I put a stop loss here 10,000 times for the rest of my career? Is that the right move or is it the wrong move? And that's, that's kind of how you got to think about it. That's amazing. I'm literally like mentally taking notes right now because that is just great advice and honestly encouragement for someone who maybe has wanted to get into this, but hasn't really known how, or, you know, has a lot of mental blocks. So that was perfect. Um, kind of going off of who's influenced you, like who have been some of the most influential, influential people in your career? Yeah. So Early on in my career, uh, this guy, Tim Martin, when I was I was still in college and it was probably two years in my trading career, he was an options trader. And so he was, he was a lot older and it gave me a lot of guidance on some of the strategies that he used and how to think through them. Uh, and then he had a, a friend, Marianne Chase, who helped me a lot, as well as thinking through the macro side. And then later on in sort of the tail end of my career, uh, I met Emmy Sobieski, who also went to UCSD. She was an alumni and she ran a, a tech a tech mutual fund back in 99. And so she was she was and has been and continues to be a, a major influence of mine as well. So I always bounce ideas off her and, and kind of run my thinking. And so I think people like that, who you can really kind of throw spaghetti against the wall and see what sticks <laughs> and get feedback, sure. super helpful. Um, and obviously my business partner now, I mean, I talk to him all the time about everything. So I, I feel like that's that's been a really a good sounding board as well. That's awesome. And then like, what do you like to do outside of work? <laughs> yeah, totally. So, I mean, to me, I think spirituality is super important. I keep trying mm -hmm. to fit that into my life. Uh, just kind of mindsets and, and, and finding sort of joy and presence uh, in the right now. I think with trading, it's very easy to be very future oriented and just kind of think of like, okay, how's this trade going to play out? I'm also in my head, like a lot. So I'm always thinking about trade ideas and, and investment theses, um, and, and just kind of trying to take a step back and, and be present and sort of enjoy the moment for what it is, as opposed to what it could be or what it's going to be. So I think that's something that's very interesting to me. I really like introspection. So I, mm -hmm self-development de self books and read those to me those, those are really kind of uh, intriguing and, and help me a lot do you have any any specific ones that you'd recommend to people uh I would do but they're a little embarrassing so I think I'll do <laughs> okay that's fine well thank you so much Greg for joining us um be sure to check out Greg's channel which is 80 derivatives you can find interviews with top leaders in the space um, intro to, to crypto options courses, uh, more advanced trading courses, a whole lot more. Um, I'm Izzy Henderson, and thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Izzy. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Do you think that was...